more and more people are starting to realize and how you're saying you practice that the social and emotional component has to come before the academic. Like we're literally wired that way as human beings. We have to attune to this emotional body before we can really take in academic information. In special ed, I mean, it all has to come from the very, very top, right? In terms of social emotional learning and the needs that our students currently have, we really, really, there's a need, in in my opinion, for more behavior specialists. We need people in the school buildings every single day who are professionals with intensive behaviors because the staff might not be trained to handle it in the way that it needs to be addressed. It's a whole trickle effect. Staff feel burnt out. They don't know what to do. They then they that's how staff leave. And then it's just this major crisis within the school system. Welcome to Soul Story. I'm your host, Rachel Barilleri. On today's episode, I'm joined by special educator Emily Felter who shares stories, strategies, and best practices for teaching self-regulation skills to our little ones, while also holding space for ourselves as educators. What I love most about this episode is how Emily keeps it real, sharing both the beauty and immense challenges that come with being a teacher today. We don't hold back while we explore the guilt that comes with prioritizing self-care, the need for top-down systemic change and how resources are allocated in American public schools, and so, so much more. The best part is that Emily's warm nature truly keeps a smile on your face all the way through. Here at Soul Story, we believe the world becomes a more compassionate place with each heart-forward story that is shared. If you have a story of compassion in action, resilience, self-acceptance, or unapologetically being who you are, especially if you're an educator. We want to hear from you. Follow us at Soul Story. That's S-O-U-L underscore S-T-O-R-I. And send us a short voice note or DM summarizing the story or idea that you want to share. All right, let's get into today's episode. So, Emily, what has made your heart happy this week? Yesterday at school, we had our big fundraiser called the Fun Run. And my morning started off really tough. There was this particular situation that was really emotional and difficult to get through. But then at the Fun Run, one of my students who I've been working with all year really, really, really hard to model and shape certain behaviors he did phenomenally and at the ceremony he was so he was so excited clapping along with the kids and on our way back into the school building he turned around and said happy birthday to another student gave a big hug and she looked up at me and goes i love him it was just the most tender sweet moment between students and just to see him socializing in that way just absolutely filled my heart. It was so incredible. 
Oh, yeah, just that resonance of like just seeing that unfolding in that little person. That's yeah. really cool. And seeing like the the time and effort that you put into strategies and teaching skills and then seeing it right in front of you, you're just like this, this is it. <laughs> well, this is actually, this is perfect because this is what we're going to talk about today is how you do what you do so expertly in schools and with these amazing tiny human beings. So tell us more, like, how did you, how did you become an educator? What's your story? So I, from a young, like middle school, high school age, I was always the, like the family member at holidays, family parties, where I was the one always playing with like the younger cousins and entertaining and I would always sit at the kids' table just because it was like the most fun place for me. And then I got a job teaching swim lessons and just kind of slowly worked my way into education, doing different volunteering at neighboring schools. And I have family members who have been principals and teachers. So I always kind of looked up to them and liked talking about teaching with them. And then I went to school for teaching just general education. And I went for my master's in special education and I had a teaching fellowship in special ed. And that's where I absolutely fell in love with special education. And I worked with a phenomenal teacher who was really inspiring. And from there, I just kind of, that took me down that road into special education where I just, I love it. I do. Yeah. So talk to me about that, that love, that spark. What is it about special ed in particular that really makes you light up? I feel like it is because it's tough. It's really tough and takes a lot of work. And I feel like there are so many days where you might not see the impact of what you're doing. And then kind of like, the story I was saying, what filled up my heart this week, like then all of a sudden you see it and you're like, whoa, mm -hmm. <laughs> that, was, that was way more than I expected. And I feel like it's really moving to see that impact when you see it, because it's, it might not be every day and it's maybe like every a few weeks or every month. And you're like, that was incredible and so worth it. Right. I so resonate with that. Like you have to look for those. I'm seeing this language online a lot right now, like those glimmers, like those little sparkles of, mm. of good, you know, like you got to really, and you got to pay attention and, and, and notice those. I love how you said that straight away. Cause I really resonate with that. You know, I always taught middle school and sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, what is, what's sinking in? Yes. And then months later, you know, we would be doing like a classroom poetry slam and like, just the compassion and care would all of a sudden be like exuding. And I'd be like, okay, like yes. we're, we're getting this. Or like even now I get such incredible emails from former students who are now in college or something like that. And they're like, I remember when you said this or, or whatnot. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Or you see a student like using a skill or and they get called on in class and they're so proud and like they turn around and you they have this big smile and you're like oh my god <laughs> yeah and it and it's it pays off it's awesome absolutely so i know a lot of with special education 
there's so many facets of it. And Mm -hmm. one of those things often is working with helping kids learn self-regulation. Would you say that's true? Yes, absolutely. Something that we've been talking about a lot at school is I feel like, and I've only been teaching for a few years, by no means am I like a veteran teacher, but even like within the last five years of teaching in the beginning, I felt like I was focusing a lot more on academics and more recently, it's a lot more self-regulation. Now, do you feel like that's a shift that you've made or are you seeing that like more broadly? Maybe a little bit of both, a little bit of both for sure. And in my own shift, recognizing how self-regulation and social emotional learning impacts academic learning largely, but also I, th- I feel like there's there's some sort of shift where we're, we're seeing a lot more of need for students to have self-regulation skills taught to them. A hundred and ten percent. I could not agree with you more. So a little bit of clarifying for maybe somebody who might not know. Social and emotional learning is when we're talking about emotional awareness, emotional management, social awareness, relationship skills, responsible decision making. And this has really become a initiative in a lot of schools, especially with the rise of what's called, you might see the term CAPSLE which is an acronym for the Collaborative for Academic and Social and Emotional Learning, who's doing a lot of pioneering work. Mm-hmm. And I think the big transition here, now that the rhetoric is really getting into schools, actually implementing that, though, is I think where some work needs to be done. What mm-hmm. I love about what you just said is how pe- more and more people are starting to realize and how you're saying you've practiced that the social and emotional component has to come before the academic. Like, we're literally wired that way as human beings. We have to attune to this emotional body before we can really open up our cranial brain to like take in academic information. Would you say that you agree with that? Absolutely. And I feel like I can see it in small moments and and like on the larger scheme. But even the other day, I was working with a student who something mid-lesson upset her and I, it wasn't apparent to me, but whatever it was to her was a big deal. And she just like, I could see it just go like completely shutting down and moving forward through that lesson. It was really hard for her to attend to any academic component of it. So it was kind of like, you know what, let's put this part on pause, address what's upsetting you. And we'll come back to the academics another day or another time, because there, there's no point in pushing forward through this right now. 100%. So when a student is having a self-regulation moment where they need assistance, how do you help them through that? What's your what's your technique or your practice? Yeah, absolutely. So something we talk a lot in amongst my team is how these self-regulation skills for most students, especially if you have a disability impacting you, it's not going to come naturally. It has to be taught. So something I've learned, I, I had models for me this year by a behavior specialist, and I try to embody it with any student I'm working with, especially if a student is in crisis, is just modeling the language for the student that they can use or something that 
we want them to notice about their own body. So for example, we have a student who occasionally goes into crisis and he's really upset and lashing out physically, verbally, and we might just even model for him, even even if he's not doing it, we might be saying like, I can feel my breath slowing down. I can feel my shoulders relaxing. Or you might say like, please help me, Miss Felter or Miss Felter, I need a break. And just modeling that language and talking about what is happening in our own bodies to then help them recognize what could be happening or should be happening through their de-escalation. That makes perfect sense to me on so many levels, right? Like we learn most, especially as children, but even in general, we learn most from watching other people. Mm-hmm. So if we want to learn how to navigate our emotions, we're looking at other people. And that's why with social and emotional learning in particular, it's about so much more than a curriculum mm-hmm. because it's so much about the embodiment of the teacher. You know, are is the teacher embodying each of these skills as well, modeling it? Is there are the actions matching the words? And you know, that's a separate tangent about how overworked and overwhelmed many teachers are. But anyway, I think that's always important to say. And yeah, so it sounds like you're giving them the language, you're modeling it so then they can start to see what that looks like, sounds like. And then do you you notice a gradual shift of the student taking that language on and behavior on for themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it depends on the students. Some use it more readily than others, but some I will hear students then saying like, I need a break, Miss Felter, or please help me. I need I, I need to feel better. Things like that. Or I'm sure you're familiar with the zones of regulation and referring to different zones as red, yellow, green, or blue. Well, and, and for our audience, maybe do you mind explaining that? Yeah, absolutely. So the zones of regulation, it's a social emotional learning program where students are taught different colors that match with which zone they are feeling in. So green is essentially, I'm calm, I'm happy, I'm ready to learn. Blue might be, I'm sad, I'm sick, I'm bored. Yellow being, I'm anxious, I'm worried, or it could also be, I'm excited and bouncing off the walls. And red is I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. And so sometimes I've heard teachers and myself, when we're feeling one of those zones, modeling that for students too. So I've heard teachers when they have a classroom who is really chatty or they're having a really hard time staying on task, the teacher will say to them, I'm feeling yellow right now. I need to take some deep breaths before we move on. And that's really helpful because then the kids are like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like Um, you're a person too. You use these tools too. Yeah, exactly. Mm, This reminds me a lot of like, even like when I was in the classroom with middle schoolers, using words that I noticed they would use and using them like for myself, but organically, Mm -hmm. like if I was overwhelmed being like, oh, guys, you know, before we transition to this next activity, I am going to just take a seat. I need to take a few deep breaths. I'm feeling really stressed out right now. Yes. And the students would be like, oh, really? What are you feeling? And I'm like, well, like, I'm actually, I think I'm anxious. Right. But giving language and vulnerably being real in that way 
I noticed students just like light up and be like, oh, you feel like that too? And I was like, oh my God, a hundred percent. And so then later on, maybe in the day, I'm in the middle of like a more intense lesson and to have a student look at me and be like, hey, Miss B, I am super anxious right now. I need to stand up for a second and just move my energy around because that's something I (laughs) do and need to do. Yes. And I'd be like, oh yeah, like do do you? And then- that respect was there too. Like looking at each other in the eye of like, yeah, we're both whole complete human beings. And for me as the teacher saying to them, like, I trust you to regulate your body, you know, and you can rejoin when you're, when you're ready to, that really changed the game. I didn't feel like I was pushing for classroom management as much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's teaching students, like you're not necessarily forcing them into a certain zone or a certain mindset, but they have the autonomy to help themselves get to where they need to be. I love that you just said that because for me too, teaching self-advocacy is super important. When I'm working with kids of any age, I'm like, okay, what are you going to take beyond the walls of this room into your everyday life to enhance your life? Um, And so that makes sense. Another thing with this too, is I want to always, I always tell teachers and sometimes when I'm talking to parents about this too, is like, a lot of this self-regulation modeling is about the power of suggestion. So essentially, it's not forcing like, hey, you need to take yeah. a deep breath. It's suggesting, you know, oh, I'm feeling stressed. I'm going to take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And over time, because it's through suggestion, not force, it's much more easily adapted by the other individual. And the thing with this, though, I would say is it does require some patience. Yes. Absolutely. And that also made me think of how sometimes when I'm working with a student who might be in crisis and that that aspect of modeling, like the deep breaths for them, it serves the purpose of that that suggestion to them, like, I'm taking deep breaths, you can take deep breaths, this is how my body calms down. But it also allows me as the teacher in that moment, I need to regulate because it's overwhelming and it's a lot all at once. And it helps me calm my body and my mind to reset and how to, how to effectively move forward through the crisis. That's actually, that's a perfect segue because I was going to ask you all of this work with kids, you're helping them self-regulate through modeling, through giving them specific language for your awareness, which is compassion, right? Like you're, when you were talking about that student you were observing, you know, you're attuning to where she's at emotionally and you're taking steps to aligned action to help alleviate her suffering, right? Like that is compassion in action. I just want to highlight that. Doing all these things all day, right? Like, how are you? And this is something I'm super passionate about as a former teacher who genuinely left the school because I was so burnt out. How are you caring for yourself on a regular basis? It's an ongoing process. This year, it's been something I've put a lot of effort into because work has been so challenging. I've recognized that I have to put the extra effort in or it won't happen. So some of the basics, just caring for my my physical body, exercising, sleeping, trying to eat healthy. If I feel sick, taking that day off and 
in because if you don't take care of your body, it's just it's not going to serve anybody. And setting boundaries as much as possible, it, it feels impossible because of the immense workload that is put on educators. But I I know we personally, you and I have talked about running, and I was training for a 10k and I would tell myself I have to leave work at this time to get home and do my training before it gets dark out. And sure, I could have gone onto the treadmill if it got dark, but it was kind of helpful to set that boundary for myself. I want to be outside where it's light and sunny and I can always the work will get done later. So that was really helpful for me both physically and mentally. I'm glad you just gave that example because I know like as educators, we feel so much guilt mm-hmm. for some reason, right? I know I'll speak for myself, like with taking a day off, I used to feel like I couldn't do it. Like I would feel yes. so guilty about that. So guilty right? with a kind of how I was saying, like there's, I feel like we, there's a lot of, we have a lot of students who requ- require a lot of self-regulation skills and social emotional support that in there's that guilt of like, if I'm not there, who's going to help them? And, or I know that it's going to be on my team members and I feel guilty for them and the students. And it's, it's so, it's, it's really tough. Yeah. I'm even thinking like any mindset shifts that you would recommend or that you use to work through moments like that. Cause this is a struggle point that I face immensely in the classroom. Yeah, I guess just recognizing and having compassion for yourself as well. We're just, we're also just humans and there's only so much we can do. And that is why, you know, we're a team at school and we have people around us at school to support us so that if you do need to take that day off, you know, your teammates are going to step up and the the kids are going to be taken well care of and just recognizing that. We're, we're also just people who have to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And I think the example you gave with running was really, I like how you phrased that around the boundaries because sometimes boundaries can be, yeah, they can be really tough. And especially if there's a feeling of guilt or a thought process of guilt built into it. And so what you said about the running, it's like, okay, I need to prioritize myself too. I need to have more boundaries around work. Okay, cool. Like that's the intention. So how do I do that? And just like you said with running, for me, it really helps to pick like an activity, something um, I could put on my calendar, something that needs to be structured to start to make that shift. So you said with running, okay, I have a goal, like this is how I'm going to take care of myself with distance running. Great. So in order to make that goal a reality, I need to be doing these many runs a week. In order to do those runs, I have to leave work by this time. And just honestly, making room for that priority. And you said it too, the work, it will get done. It will. Right. It will. (laughs) Right. And I, and I knew too, like for my own personal self, I, I was printing out each week and still am the runs that I wanted to get done and put it on the fridge. And I know Wednesdays are my meeting days. So I know Wednesdays, I always have a lot more paperwork to get done. So maybe Wednesdays I don't run and I do spend a little bit more time at school to get that paperwork under control. But the other days I'm going to leave on time so that I can get the runs in. And some weeks might be like this past week was a really tough week 
where I didn't get my runs in. And I, you know, as the week went on, I was just like, it's okay. There, There's going to be those weeks too, but I can always try the next week to get back on track. Yeah. And that non-rigid, that really flexible thinking, mm-hmm. right? For sure. And so when it comes to schools, reflecting on the state of schools right now, what is something that you really love about education today? I think all teachers would say this, the kids. I love the kids. And I lo- that's, what, that's what gets me through the door every single day is seeing those kids. And I do, I love the staff that I work with. And it's really helpful to be around staff members and coworkers who are able to laugh and smile through the really challenging times as well as support one another. So I'd say those are the, the two things that I absolutely I love about teaching. And mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I hear you loud and clear on that. Oh, I so resonate. And how about a shift? What What's like, if, I know there's a lot, again, as a former teacher who left because systemically, oh, just so burnt out. What yes. if you had to pick one shift that you'd like to see made in education today, in our schools today, what would it be? I would say... I feel like this, my answer is also like a little bit of recency bias as well, just based on some things I'm going through at work, but specifically in special ed, it would, I mean, it all has to come from the very, very top, right? Like it all, everything, all the changes have to do with money and where the board and the school department decides to allocate that money. And in terms of social emotional learning and the needs that our students currently have we really really there's a need in in my opinion for more behavior specialists or it's like bcbas to be in school buildings on a daily basis not just coming in and giving a quick recommendation and then headed out the door we need people in the school buildings every single day who are professionals with intensive behaviors like hitting, kicking, biting, scratching, because the staff that have to deal with it on a daily basis might not be trained to handle it in the way that it needs to be addressed. And that's how staff and students get hurt and it's not addressed the right way. And I, so that, that is really what I think the big change that I would like to see. Because again, then it's a whole trickle effect. Staff and students get hurt. Staff feel burnt out. They don't know what to do. They then they that's how staff leave. And then it's just this major crisis within the school system. Where this, I mean, the school system's already in crisis, but it just contributes to it. They just they need more specialized staff members in the school buildings on a daily basis. That makes so much sense, <laughs> and I've seen just overwhelming evidence of, of that as well. I could I literally could not could not agree with you more. Emily, as we as we wrap up here, for fellow teachers who who may be struggling right now, especially, you know, we're getting into that midway point in the year, getting close to it, what would be your number one message to them or any advice? Yeah, I would say a couple things. A, remembering that 
every single day you're making an impact, whether you see it or not, that impact is there. And what you're doing is so important. Like even last night, my, your, your brother, my boyfriend and I were out to dinner and I was talking about that story that I started off the, the recording with about like how that just absolutely filled my heart. And like, we both were getting emotional and I was like, it's really, it is really cool to have a job where there's an impact. So just remember for teachers to remember that um, everything they do has that effect, but, and also remembering that self-compassion aspect that like, you're just one person and you can't fix every little problem that comes up and you can't put that weight on your shoulders. It's okay to ask for help and to lean on other people and to take that time for yourself so that you are healthy and happy and able to carry through the school year and not feel that burnout because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, I don't know, we'd, we'd, we'd all struggle. <laughs> you are just such a beautiful person. I have the pleasure of knowing Emily personally. She lights up a room and you can even hear it in your voice coming through these sound waves. So Emily, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. I'm super grateful for your time. Thank you, Ray. And likewise, I feel like you and I, we could we could talk about this for hours because <laughs> there's just, there's so much to it. So thank you for allowing me to share a couple pieces of it. Absolutely.